The Cooped Up Podcast is brought to you guys by Anchor.fm. People are always asking me, Koopa, how do I start my own podcast? And my answer, Anchor is the best place to go. Anchor is the easiest way to start your own podcast. It's free and it includes easy to use tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only is it easy to use, but Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on sites like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many more platforms. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, do you want to start a podcast about sports, music, literature? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, children, or actually no children, actually, it's a terrible idea. People of all ages, welcome to the inaugural episode of Cooped Up, your one-stop shop for all the things that I've been watching in quarantine, eating in quarantine, and I'm sure you probably have too. As you can see by the layout, my name is Koopa, I will be your guide through all things pop culture and uh, this is exciting. This is a plan I've had... Uh, you know, sitting on the back burner for a while now, as I said in the trailer episode, and I was like, God, I, I need to start off with a bang. I got to find someone that's that's interesting and, and cool and as equally as handsome as I am. So I decided uh, by reaching out to my very good friend. Um, he is uh, the associate manager of social video at Crunchyroll, a uh, former moderator on Smashboards, host of the Ula La podcast, and a self-proclaimed Sonic the Hedgehog expert. But we will see about that. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce my good friend, Camelange. Buddy, how you doing? Hey, Koopa. I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said about me <laughs> to my face. You know what? I It's, it's, it's weird, right? So there's a... I, I'm a I'm a frequent listener of other podcasts, and uh, comedian and writer Whitney Cummings um, has a podcast that I really like. And a trope that she loves to steal, or that I'm or actually I'm going to steal, is that uh, she loves to ask her guests if they're friends or not. So just so we have it on record, Cam, uh, are we friends? Is this why you brought me on? <laughs> yeah, it's just me trying to reassure myself. Just like, so you could have like legal documentation that I'm your friend. Yeah. I, I need the world to know this. I need it. I need it. It's like somewhere on the internet for whenever aliens invade, so I can show them to this and confirm that we are indeed friends. You could just fairly odd parents me and take that clip I just said of. Did you bring me on here to just have legal documentation that I'm your friend and just clip the part where I said I'm your friend and then that's all you really need, right? <laughs> so I don't actually have to say it. My name is Camelage and I steal from my mom's purse. <laughs> Uh, classic. Too bad uh, Butch Hartman sucks, but anyway. Oh, dude, it's 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 one of the many realizations I've had over the last year. But yeah. you know, that's neither here or there. But uh, yeah, so this is an idea that I've had floating around for a while, and um, you know, it, the this past year has been uh, it, it's been something, you know, and one of the things that's been taken from a lot of us is the ability to you know hang out with our friends and talk to our friends. Um, you know, just in general, and you and I have, have known each other for quite some time. Um, you know, we've we've been friends for I think it feels like forever, <laughs> honestly. But we've only really known each other for the last like five or so years. It feels like. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, first of all, I'm I'm honored to be the first guest on the Cooped Up Pod. Um, it, our friendship, I feel like, just 
I guess it was, I feel like it was kind of streamlined. It was initially like we had met at um, a, a Super Smash Brothers tournament in New Jersey. Yes. And we both played Sonic T Hedgehog. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, I, initially, like, I feel like that first encounter, it was just like, you know, we were just like, oh, hey, like, we both play Sonic. And, like, not too much came from it right away. But then, uh, we had each other on Facebook and you made a status about anime and then it was pretty much <laughs> downhill from there. And now before we know it, a few years later, um, you're one of my closest friends and you've like, I think it's crazy how much our friend group has evolved and that like, cause it's kind of just started as people I knew from middle school and high school. And over the years uh, we just kept adding to it and it's, like amazing that you, you were so far removed from that initial culture of our friendship, <laughs> but it, it feels like you've been our friend for ages. It's no, truly you, seamless. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's like it's it's so weird because like like we said, we met at a Smash tournament, and I I'm gonna be real. I don't even remember like how like I don't know if I just approached you because we both played Sonic or something like that. Like it's one of those things where like I don't remember like our first like real interaction but then like as you you know as as m with most people in the smash community you know you gravitas towards people that like you know they might play the same character as you or they live in the same area as you and like you at the time you lived in new york and i lived in new jersey so we would like frequently cross streams at a lot of stuff and then it wasn't until you know we added each other on facebook and then i was watching a particular anime that you're very fond of and i, I think i might have that screenshot still saved on my phone somewhere I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> it's somewhere on the internet, but um, yeah. So then it was like, okay, like now you you've you've moved up a bracket of friendship because I'm like, oh, this guy like likes a lot of the same shows that I watch, so that's cool. And then I think the the moment that solidified for me that like you and I were like on a on a collision course to be friends forever is when we uh I think I made you you might have made a status about I think you saw Real Big Fish in concert, and I made a comment about how I was like, oh, yo, that's like one of my favorite bands, and then you're like, oh yeah, it's like one of the bands I've seen like multiple times. And the other band you listened was the wonder years. And I was like, Oh shoot. That's like actually one of my favorite bands. So like you moved up from a guy that I just like casually knew from smash tournaments to a guy that I casually knew from smash tournaments with great taste in music, which obviously <laughs> like moved, moved you up, um, you know, leagues. And obviously, you know, we, we started frequenting more time together. You stayed at my house for events. Um, you know, I crashed at your place often whenever I, I would be in the city and yeah, now it's we're a lot. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. A lot of sleepless nights playing Sonic Dittos, unfortunately. Why did we do that? I don't know. We but we've grown. You know, we were young. You know, naive twenty four, twenty five. No, you were two. What? You're two years older than me. I think so. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. So you were an, I. You were a naive. I was a naive twenty three year old. You were a naive twenty five year old. And now we're. Yeah, I should have known better. Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um. But yeah, but no. Yeah, it is funny how like. Uh, yeah, like I think about that because I, I know the first time we met was that um, we exchanged much conversation outside of like, I feel like it was probably Shippo or someone that was like, oh, Koopa, you should watch his tutorial videos. Oh, <laughs> then, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're totally right. I think it was something like that. And then that was kind of just like a joke that he had with you. And then we just like organically ended up talking more which is funny because i've you know we've met a lot of people through smash and we've made some 
great friends there too. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think in terms of like people that I frequently talk to outside of the game, like we just had a lot more in common than we thought. And yeah, just fast tracked us to, uh, I mean, the amount of people that you meet that also like ska music is rare. So <laughs> that kind I, of immediately just like puts you on the fast track. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't listen, man. I hope one of the things to change in 2021 is that people just really open their mind to how beautiful a genre of music sky is. Like, it's, it's true. It's There's so good. The, you know, I, I think personalities like Scott to network are really working to try to kind of break those barriers. So I, I hope it keeps going in that direction. Yeah. Shout out to Scott to network there. The, if you haven't seen any of their content, like I, I highly recommend it. Like if you're someone that's like, you know, us, you're in that age grab of like you're like, you know, mid to late twenties and you know, you like, you know, mid two thousands punk music and like TV openings, but you also like <laughs> ska music. Like it kind of encompasses like a lot. It, it encompasses about like 65% of my personality. And it's like, I, I, I don't remember the first video I watched, but I just remember it was like, it was like a hyper fixation for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, yo, this is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. They're awesome. The, their, their covers are just fantastic. And it really stretches over from like, pop punk to cartoon openings and all kinds of stuff. So I feel like whether you think you don't like ska, like you just have this preconception that you don't like it. I think this will change your mind. I agree. And hopefully, you know, uh, if we can change one person's mind about ska in this podcast, then I'll, I'll, I'll feel accomplished. And then worth re- it. Yeah. And, and then I can retire, but we, we, as, <laughs> as much as I would love to sit here and talk about ska for hours on end, uh, that is not what we're here to talk about. So this is an idea that I've had for a while. And, you know, obviously because of the of the happenings of this past year, you know, with the with the coronavirus pandemic still at the time of this recording, you know, being uh, a major issue, you know, obviously a lot of us are are stuck at home. You know, you're obviously back at home on the East Coast, which makes recording this much easier. Um, And I'm obviously at home, you know, my home in New Jersey. And I'm I've been such a homebody that, like, obviously with a lot of people, uh, people are trying to find ways to keep you know, busy and stuff like that, whether it be with, you know, games or TV or movies and stuff like that. And something that I realized about myself and like in past years until this time is that I'm a terrible consumer of media. <laughs> like I, um, I think it was, I, it, it dawned on me when I got my Nintendo switch year in review and, you know, it told you like, yo, what your most played games were, like how many games you played this year. And I played for the first time, I think 26 games in 2020 and in 2019, I played nine. So, like, I'm a I'm a horrible consumer of media. Like, I, I keep myself pretty busy. So, like, I don't have a lot of time to just sit down and play games whenever I can. Or, like, watch TV and stuff like that. So, there's, like, a lot of stuff that was on my, like, blind spots that I hadn't seen before. And I really got, you know, some time, you know, since I'm not traveling as much. And, you know, for a short time, uh, I was without a job. So... You know, I was able to really sit down and kind of, you know, uh, knock some of these behemoths uh, off of my, uh, you know, off of my list. And I figured because you and I already have very similar taste, you know, in in you know comedy and and writing and stuff like that, that I figured you'd be a great person to talk about, you know, some of the things that I've really enjoyed, you know, uh, in my almost uh, nine ten months uh, into this pandemic. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of funny you mentioned like not being great at consuming media because I feel like so much of my personality is uh, the things that I like. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, 
but I actually have a, a really hard time um, breaking into new stuff and sticking with it. Um, so, like, I used to play so many games growing up. Like, I would just play any game on the shelf and try to beat it. And as I've gotten older, it's just really hard to make time to to do that kind of stuff. And I still watch, like, you know, I still play new games and I watch new shows. Um, but also because of, like, just my job, I primarily try to keep up with new anime. Right. So I'll, you know, that's like if I'm watching, I don't know, four to five shows a season about, um, that's, you know, hours of my week in addition to having a full-time job and everything else going on in life that I don't end up having a ton of time for other new things. Um, so I, I've definitely tried to, like, I, I really want to try to get into playing more newer games. And I did enjoy some indie games like i beat cuphead and that was a lot of fun i beat Ooh. celeste i played a lot of platformers um so i i did try to break some <laughs> probably no. like a year or so old wow no that that's awesome um but yeah so like i i, I think we'll, we'll get into it so how, how this is gonna go is um uh, I have I have sent Cam some some pre disclosed questions, and you know it's it's just some some fun general like banter, you know that people like to talk about in quarantine. Like everybody's constantly looking for new shows to watch, and I feel like every couple of months there's like a new, like you know there there's there's a sort of new thing that's like kind of sweeping the Netflix top ten or like whatever you're frequently watched in Hulu is. Um, so we can we can definitely like jump right into it because it's because um you know. One of the big reasons I picked you, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you can you can see the the, the joke that I'm going for. But a, a new piece of media that I watched this year is, is is an old piece of media that you actually just finished for the second time, and that is the smash hit uh, NBC sitcom from the late 2000s. Um, that's not Parks and Rec or The Office or Thirty Rock, and that's Community. So you mean it wasn't a smash hit because it wasn't any of those three shows. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. And, dude, it's crazy to me. So I remember exactly, like, the circumstances of why I started watching this show. So I had just gotten laid off from my job last March. And um, what I like to do when I watch TV shows is that I like to alternate. But, like, obviously, you know, I, I like to alternate between genres, you know, so I don't, like, stale myself out. Like, I, I just watched The Sopranos for the first time um, earlier, like, last February or March. I started watching it. And I, um, <laughs> I was like, oh man, that show was really good, but I'm like really sad. <laughs> so like, I, I like need, I like need something that's like, that'll like make me feel not as sad right now. And I think there's someone I followed on Twitter that, um, they, they, uh, they quote tweeted one of their Halloween costumes, which was the Greendale human being. And, um, they were like, oh, uh, communities on Netflix, by the way. So if anybody's looking for like a good show to watch. And I was like, oh, you know what? I've heard, like, I've always heard really, like, good things about Community from the people that have watched it. Like, I've, our friend group has seen it, and I'm pretty sure you guys have mentioned it in passing, like, multiple times. So I was like, you know what? The, enough people that I respect their opinions really like this show. So I'm going to sit down and give it a shot. And I can always tell how good a piece of media is by how bad it ruins my sleep schedule. And, like, peak <laughs> Community, like, those first three seasons... It it fucked me up, dude. Like I was like, oh, I'll watch like one episode before bed, and the next thing I know, the sun's up, 
and I'm like, oh fuck, like <laughs> that's 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 not good. So like, I, I, I was the same way with my rewatch too, because I like especially, um, and I'll dive a little deeper into this later. I don't want to distract too much from like your experience with the show, but when I was watching it, I think by the time I got to season two, I like had to watch like. I would just be like, I'd watch four episodes and it'd be like 2 a.m. I'd be like, okay, I should just like go to bed. But then I'd be like, oh, but this is the next episode. And I like, this is a good one. And that's like every episode of season two where I'm just like, I can't stop watching. Yeah, I think it was season two that really like that ruined me. Like season one was good. And like, but like most season ones of shows, like obviously like take time to like set up these characters. And I was, right. you know, I was already like familiar with Joe McHale from The Soup. Like and, uh, you know, Ken Jong from The Hangover and John Oliver and such like that, you know, retrospectively from other media. But like I um, outside of like that one cameo in Spider-Man Homecoming, like I was not very familiar with Donald Glover, um, Gillian Jacobs and uh, and Allison Brie were not people that I have like heard of or watched before. And I just know that Chevy Chase is an asshole, which obviously will <laughs> will probably play into later. But. Um, yeah, I was, I was watching the show and I was like, wow, like this is, it, it, it felt so, it, it, it I can't really describe it, but it, it just felt like a, a hug, like a really good hug. And, um, no, I, I absolutely agree. It's, um, obviously I'm biased because I've, this is my rewatch of the show. So I already kind of knew what I was getting myself into. Um, but it was, it was interesting to revisit it because like some context about this show and why it's personal to me is that um when the show came out um sean who's a mutual friend of ours um and i've been friends with sean since middle school the community was coming out we were both looking forward to it because we had known like you said the soup we, we knew joel McHale. uh we were fans of donald glover from Derek comedy their uh youtube channel uh <laughs> and you know like there's a lot of big names in it and we were just like oh yeah this looks like it's gonna rule um and so i actually with sean we both watched episode one the day it aired on cable television oh my god um, yeah and we watched it every like every episode when it came out ever since and it very quickly became my favorite show and it's just there's something about it that i think is really special in in the writing and the acting like the cast is perfect first of all like they just play their characters so phenomenally but um i i think part of like what makes that show so comforting especially on rewatch is one like i grew up with it it was one of my first like syndicated tv shows that i really kind of got into as it was happening you know like i love the office but i didn't actually get into the office until like it was already at season four or something like that right, right. so being with something from start to finish is a totally new experience for like that like for a sitcom for me normally it's just watching reruns um and, th and this show has like an overarching narrative right so it's cool to watch it unfold every week but so like there's that comfort of like me and sean talking about it all the time and you know our other friends getting into it and all of us talking about it um but the actual like premise of the show itself is really important to me because you know those first three seasons is like it's this idea of finding your second family. Yes. And I, I think that is something that always speaks to me at a, at a level with, you know, I've mentioned earlier about these friendships that have grown and evolved since I was young. And to, to now, like we keep adding people and all, all these 
uh, wonderful things, but kind of like the obviously community is much more exaggerated and it is yes. <laughs> like the, the relationships can be toxic at times, uh, which is part of the entertainment. But like the idea of the table and like how <laughs> much it hurts to not be at the table is like it's it's kind of funny because obviously it is like also symbolic of their codependency. Um, but it's I, I, I think about my friends and what we have and I like what how different my life would be without it and how much it would suck to not have that support system in my life. So when I watch Community, I can't help but feel like I'm like, it's like watching home videos of your friends in yeah. a way. <laughs> or no, I'm just like, this is so comforting. Like, I love these characters. I love these actors. Every, it's hilarious. It's, it's emotional. Um, it's about friendship. Like, it's just, it's really special. No, I I totally agree with that. Um, like, I I totally get you with the uh, with the appeal of the, like you know the table and like how much it hurts to not have that table, and it also lays into some other things like oh like, you know, uh, especially in season two is like is when things really really start to pick up because after you posted your uh your rewatch tier list, uh, I did go back and watch like a few episodes of season two, and you know that's when you know the uh the whole uh you know Britta and that. Uh, and a Jeff arc like really picks up and then, yep. you know, uh, the whole thing with like, Oh, Annie, uh, at the end of season one kisses Jeff and which, I, which sucks. I hate yeah, that. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I agree. Like in that, that's something we I'll, I'll talk about when I get to like my, the things I didn't like about the show yeah. when we get there, yeah. but that's definitely one of them. Um, but like, yeah, there's, there's also the things it's like, Oh, like, you know, the food in the cafeteria sucks or like, Oh, uh, I, I want to be able to take a class with them with my, all my friends and stuff like that. And like you know, integrating new people into the <laughs> into the friend group, which is a big uh, which is a big plot point with Senior Chang, obviously in in season two and stuff like that. And yeah, like, and that one episode with Jack Black. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dude, and that's another thing that I loved about the show is that, um, like obviously, like you know, a lot of these people are you know feel like they're kind of at like the peak of their fame. Like I know, I think at the same time, Allison Brie was doing Mad Men, which is like a, a show I've never seen before, but I know it's been. I'll, the people mm. that I talked to that have seen it like really like it, and yeah. uh, Yvette Nicole Brown, obviously like of Drake Love and Josh her. fame at the time. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, that was the other thing I forgot to mention when we were like when we started the show. We're like the, we're like the woman from Drake and Josh in the, is in this. That rocks. Yeah. Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's, it's it's such like in a, and obviously you know if you haven't seen this show, uh, if you want to watch it, uh, number one, we're gonna be we're, we'll be spoiling a, a fair bit of it. You know to properly talk about it but like if you like to sh- if you know if you're interested in in community uh it is on uh all six seasons are on netflix uh i don't know if they're on any other streaming services i watched they're also, I, I watched it on hulu it's on okay hulu. yeah so it's on netflix yeah. and hulu uh you know it ran from uh 2009 to 2014 um you know it's in uh it was created uh by dan Harmon, um who is also the creator of rick and morty so if you're into that sort of Obviously, now that's a smash hit. Yeah, that's that, that's a show. I've actually uh-huh. Rick and Morty. I'm actually currently in the midst of watching. I've never seen. I don't it want to talk about Rick and Morty. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Rick and Morty. <laughs> but I, but uh, you know, if, if it's a good I, show, it's fine. Yeah, the uh, the, the shows are, are very different in tone and presentation, obviously. But, yes, um, absolutely. But um, yeah, so let's. So I I went back and obviously you know the 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 big. Uh, I'd say like the agreed upon, you know, uh, consensus from people that have watched the show is that the first three seasons 
in my opinion, I love watching sitcoms. Sitcoms are my comfort are my comfort shows. Like mm-hmm. I, I I watch a lot of them, and I've watched a lot in quarantine. Um, but Community, like the first three seasons of Community, are some of the best like scripted television I think I've ever seen. Like yeah, it's, it's, I I it's totally so agree. It's the the writing is awesome, and it's just like the like to get to you mentioned that I've made a tier list, and my tier list of the show is season two. Season one, season three, season six, season five, season four. And we'll go a little bit into detail, but the, those first three seasons is I thought when I was going to rewatch it that I was actually going to put season three as my number one because at the time of watching it, I like thought it was just incredible. And there's just some excellent standout episodes like, uh, was it Remedial Chaos Theory, yes. uh, which is like one of the most famous episodes of the show and yeah. it was just critically acclaimed. I think it won an award for its writing too. Yeah, um, if, if you're if you're uh, if you're familiar with that one gif of Donald Glover walking into a room with a pizza and everything's yeah. just falling to shit around him, then that's that that's that gif. And when I've, I I felt complete as a person when I finally watched that episode and I could like understand that gif in context. Yeah, it, it, like, <laughs> it like really made me feel like a, like a better person. Um, yeah, it's it, it's an excellent episode. But I think that the the thing I realized on rewatch is, as you said, season one, it's Season one is fantastic, but it's it's all it's primarily laying down the groundwork of the characters and the story arcs and kind of it's it's definitely more grounded in, in realism, um, which I do like about it. Um, season two, though, like takes everything and runs with it, just like sprints and <laughs> produces some of the funniest episodes, some really touching episodes. And it's just like back to back hits. I cannot think off the top of my head right now like an episode in season two that like wasn't just excellent um and i just felt like it completely nailed the feeling that it was going for with the show and season three i still really like season three there's some amazing episodes um but i I felt like in my rewatch there were some episodes that didn't really do it for me like the ping pong episode and then um the the story was at this point in the show like the meta humor had gone completely like up a notch and i felt like the show was completely up its own ass which yes as a fan like and especially when i was growing up watching it and part of the reason i liked season three so much at the time was i was like oh i'm being rewarded for having watched every episode mm-hmm. and like i'm in on the jokes it's like very inside baseball and it's really entertaining but i feel like as like a standalone piece of media like Season three is a lot harder to enjoy if you haven't, uh, like already like religiously consumed season one and season two, um, which you know I think is definitely of like I don't disagree with that approach necessarily. Like I think it's enjoyable for the for the fans, but I feel like it's just as a far as far as a piece of media goes, season two is just like you can just jump in. You you know who the char- you can figure out who the characters are about right what they're all about what's going on and it's just it's just a blast from start to finish um and then of course the thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that uh season four which as at the bottom of my tier list for obvious reasons for those (laughs) of the show is that um basically without going too deep into the drama there was a fallout with dan Harmon, um and rightfully so honestly i can't really blame nbc for their decision Um, no yeah i agree yeah, I think he's come a long way since then. But um, yeah, at the time, he was just not in a good place. Not a great guy. Uh, 
and was removed from the show. And it's pretty tragic because the original plan from what Dan Harmon had shared with fans is that the show is only intended to be four seasons. Uh, it's because it's supposed to be like four years of college. Right. And uh, the last season, the fourth season, was handed off to completely different showrunners. And it was what became known as the gas leak year. And <laughs> yes. it was just kind of, uh, you know, the shining moment in season four is the episode written by Jim Rash. Uh, basic, I think it's like Basic Anatomy or something like that. Yeah, the, I think uh, Abed is like he's trying to find a date for the for the dance or something like that. No, no, that, it's the one where they the swap one? bodies. Oh, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. Because because no, Troy is... is going to like he has to break up with Britta. But oh, that's right. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a that that episode was fantastic. Um, yeah, that was that was that's like a top ten episode of Community, but like every other episode of season four is like a bottom twelve episode of Community. I think there's thirteen episodes in the season. Uh, yeah, but um, it's. <laughs> So it's not good. And then, unfortunately, um, n- not to like throw anyone under the bus, but I think it's really hard to pick up a show with such a vision and dedicated fandom and just be thrown into it at like what's supposed to be the last season and be expected to deliver on all these fronts. And it just doesn't, unfortunately. Um, so Dan Harmon does return for the last two seasons, season five and six. And season five is like trying to basically pick up the pieces and there's some great episodes in there too, but it doesn't quite reach, you know, at this, at this point, the show is kind of a shelf. What it used to be cast members are leaving left and right. Chevy chase leaves, Donald Glover leaves. Um, And then I felt like season six, the reason why I actually put season six over season five is that both season five and six are both kind of reboot seasons in their own right. Right. Um, so there's certain continuity even between those two seasons that don't carry over. Um, but I felt like season six was overall, like the tone and consistency was overall higher. Even though there wasn't any specific episode that I was like amazed by, I felt like I was overall enjoying the vibe of the show more than I was with season five. So it's definitely a bizarre show to be a fan of because there's so many like uh asterisks where you have to be like this show is great but you have to know this 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 and this <laughs> yeah there's like there's a fair amount of caveats and also the the problem with season six is that uh, i believe the show got canceled after season five and yep. um there was there was a time where like, I, I think I even, I even remember reading about this when i was in like college or something but um there is they're like oh they were having problems like finding a you know a a, a studio to like pick up the show and I got picked up by Yahoo Screens, I believe. Yep. Which was Yahoo's attempt into, you know, getting into the uh, into the streaming wars at that time. And they had <laughs> season six of Community, and then that was it. <laughs> I haven't heard anything from Yahoo Screens uh, since. I'm I'm pretty sure I don't remember the exact details, but I'm pretty sure that season six of Community like bankrupted Yahoo Screen. Yeah, which is because they kind of put all their eggs in that one basket, and Yahoo Screen just wasn't doing well as a whole. And once season six ended a community, I just don't think anyone ever talked about Yahoo screen ever again. Yeah. Cause like I, it, from what I can tell after watching this, the finale of season six is that it felt like that, like, cause obviously the big trope is the, you know, the, the joke is that Abed, I forget what Abed starts, starts uh, doing the six seasons in a movie uh, gimmick. <laughs> I think that's also season two. Yeah. That, that, that sounds about right. There. Um, yeah. 
I could be wrong, though. Yeah, so, like, obviously, it, it's very ironic that, like, Community ends after six seasons. And, um, because mm-hmm. it feels like they were, like, set, they were maybe trying to set up for a seventh season. I might have read that somewhere. But by that point, you know, like you said, the problem with ensemble casts like this is that, you know, people, uh, you know, come and leave. Like you said, you know, Donald Glover left, uh, Chevy Chase left. And Yvette uh, Nicole Brown leaves. She's not in the sixth season. I, I totally forgot that she wasn't in season six until yeah. I went to rewatch it. And then they, like, had to mention why she wasn't there in the first episode. I'm like, oh shit, this is really like half the cast is just gone. Yeah, and like obviously, you know, a lot of the 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 people that everyone cares about is still there, but like, you know, it, the the problem is that obviously, you know, you, you they try to pick up that chemistry with other places. Like uh, they try to pick up the Troy and Abed stuff with Annie and Abed, and it obviously doesn't stick as well because you know Donald Glover and uh, and uh, Danny Pudi they have such great chemistry like on screen. Um, yeah, it, it's absolutely sure. it's absolutely fantastic. Every single like end slate with them laughing. Troy and Abed uh, in the morning, in the morning, <laughs> or, or are in mourning. Like <laughs> yeah. it just it, it it kills me every time. And like even with Chevy Chase, like Chevy Chase's comedy with with Jeff, and like just like to just being. Oh like, yeah, Pier- the- Pierce is a great character. Like feelings about Chevy Chase aside, like Pierce was like such an interesting dynamic to the to the ensemble. Yeah, like obviously you think of the of um the the Dungeons and Dragons episode, which like hasn't aged well um since then of uh, from a, even after watching it a second time, but like it really really is was like you know it's you know it's, you sh- know it's funny I couldn't I didn't actually rewatch that episode in my rewatch because Hulu took it down. Wow. Oh, <laughs> because of uh, the Ken Jeong joke where he comes in as an elf but he has black makeup on. Yeah, it's 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 it definitely yeah. did not a. Uh, did not age uh, well by any means, but again, yes. like 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 Pierce is a great like thorn in the side of everybody, and like it, it makes for great humor. Like uh, the the funeral up the the funeral episode. A spoiler: uh, Pierce dies. Uh, that's how they like. I guess that's um, how they write him out of the show. Yeah. Um. And obviously, they have a whole episode like you know <laughs> dedicated to you know, him uh, giving his final words to the to the group and obviously you know a lot of that humor definitely has not aged well um you know keep oh, i think it did i think i think that episode is freaking phenomenal i think it's phenomenal too <laughs> there there are some jokes where i, I mean like, pierce pierce's whole thing is that he's bad yeah. so it's kind of like i think they do it in a way where like w- we're aware that what pierce is saying is not supposed to age well sure um yeah. so it kind of works for me i think i guess I, I could understand the argument against it but um you know as as a white man, there's only so much I can say, so I'm <laughs> open to criticism here. Sure. Um, but I think that you know Pierce being a like insensitive old white man is like, and him ultimately dying is like that's kind of like the last hurrah of that generation of person in that show. Um, and I think it's kind of like the way they obviously comment on his behavior is, I think, indicative of where the writers stand on those problems. Um, so I think it works for me, but I'd, I'd be interested to hear other people's thoughts. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and I know, will I, say that that episode, cause that's a season five episode, that episode of community in season five is the, like one of the best written episodes about Pierce and he's not even in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's immediately followed up by the, by the hot lava episode. Yep. Um, yep. Cause that's where they, yeah. And, that, and that's such a great like character moment between like, 
you know, again, I, I just love Troy and Abed. Like, their, their, their dynamic on screen was fantastic. And, like, the few episodes where they really dive into, like, Abed's psyche, you know, whether yeah. it be, like, the... Uh, the 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 room that they have dedicated in their apartment for like the dreamatorium yeah the dreamatorium like I, I i forgot what it was called but like yeah like the episodes were like focus on like abed psyche and like stuff like that they're, they're such like well-written episodes and like you know definitely diamonds in a rough for what in general is a uh, is is kind of a rough end to the show um, yeah but also and, 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 and uh, he gets to date and he gets to date brie larson like for that's a few true episodes. like there's so many people in the show i, I would be watching like oh yeah like john oliver's in it um, hillary duff's in it for an episode yeah like and as far as the main cast goes we haven't even mentioned gillian jacobs she's excellent um like she's hilarious um it's just i don't know there's so many there's just so many people in that show and it's just it's yeah it's like a big hug yeah it, it's awesome so like um uh, and a, a big selling point, if you're still, because uh, it's funny we mentioned you how you mentioned that you uh, watching, you know, season three standalone uh, makes you feel kind of lost uh, without having seen the first two seasons. It's also fitting because um, a, a, a handful of the episodes from the show, I forget how many exactly, are directed by uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, uh, who have since gone on to direct some films. You, you might have heard of these movies uh, as the Captain America: The Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America: Civil War. Avengers, Not familiar. Uh, yeah, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. You, you lost me here. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little indie film with, like, some guys in spandex that, like, try to fight against tyranny and stuff like that. It's really... Were those on NBC? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it might have been on cable. It might have been on PBS or something. Probably came uh, on after Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it came yeah. <laughs> It came on when they were uh, in place of Seinfeld reruns. But, um, yeah. yeah, so, like, um, that's, like, again, one of, like, the big hits from the show is that you know, they, they were able to, like, birth these these superstars in, in the Russo brothers and all the episodes they direct, mm-hmm. like it's awesome. Oh, yeah, they're so good. Like a, a so lot of good. like the, like I see a lot of like the theme humor and stuff like that in the show is great. But like a lot of like the episodes, you know, um, if we're going, we, you know, transition to some of like your favorite episodes, like every single one of the paintball episodes is one of my favorites. Um, like granted, you know, obviously as, as the show moves on and the Russo brothers don't direct as many episodes, like, it's it's you know the the episodes dip in quality, but that season two paintball like two parter is like like is like one of the most intense things I've ever watched on television. It's kind of funny because like I I do think the first times that they like season one and season two and they did paintball it was good, and then everything after that it was just like done to death. Uh, even season six brings back paintball again, and <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was it was fine, but I was like, man, this is like this is what the show, this show is just like this show that has a paintball episode every season. But, um, I, I don't know if you saw my Instagram story, I but did. I did. I was hoping you'd I, talk about this. Yeah. I did a breakdown of the season two, uh, paintball finale. The two parter is that there's a continuity error where, um, literally the episode right before the two parter, there's a, uh, one that end gags is Troy and Abed setting off the fire alarm so they can get out of taking a test. And when they pull the alarm, they run away. Nothing happens. No sprinklers go off. No alarm sounds. And they just, like, yank it off the wall. So it's like a fake fire alarm. <laughs> and then the dean walks over, and then they're like, cancel school for the day or we tell everyone about this. So, And that's, like, the joke. But then Troy's <laughs> entire plan in the paintball war is to use the sprinkler system to spread paint everywhere. But he knows that this, like, it was established just episode prior by Troy and Abed that there is no sprinkler system that functions in the school. Um, 
So I thought that was interesting. And there's no like, you know, I guess you could maybe make the argument that with Troy's plumbing skills that he could have, you know, maybe like fixed the system or something. But right. it's it's never indicated that that actually happens. Um, so, and I never noticed that until rewatching it. So there's my uh, elitist take for you. But <laughs> also another great cameo is the. Uh... Is is the HVAC teacher as John Goodman with a with a ponytail? <laughs> Dude, yes, I love John Goodman. Yeah, it, it's so funny, and obviously we mentioned Jack Black, but um, yeah, yeah, like I I'm, I I went back and watched a lot of season two just to see if like if I shared the same opinion as you, and I agree. There's a lot of great episodes in there. Like that's a community definitely like hits a lot of like the same like tropes every season. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you know, obviously there's a paintball episode almost every season. There's a Christmas episode. There's a Halloween episode every season. Um, the Halloween episode in season two is the one where like everyone like oh, the zombies. Yeah, yeah, the zombie episode, which is awesome. Um, yeah, that's the one with the claymation uh, Abed Christmas special, I believe. Oh yeah, season two it has the claymation episode. Yep. Yeah. So like that's 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 what I love about the show is that it it wasn't afraid to. to you know, to take those risks. Um, there's the fundraising episode where, where Britta and Annie argue over oh. how to like raise like money for the school and stuff like that. Yeah. That was, and then they just, it just devolves into a cat fight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, it was one of the last things I'll say about the paintball thing is that in season four, they try to bring it back. And of course it's just like a mess of an episode. And then, but right. Abed has a line where he's like, we finally found a way to make paintball cool again. And I'm just like, this sucks. I hate this. I'm so upset. <laughs> Like the the lack of uh, self awareness here is astounding, especially when it's coming from Abed Nadir, who is, you know, self awareness incarnate. But uh, yeah, that was yeah. another episode that I I really loved is um where Jeff wants to surprise Abed with a Pulp Fiction themed birthday party. That was, yeah, <laughs> uh, my dinner with Abed. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so good. Abed like, is just like what a what a fascinating character. I just think like one of the best written characters I've seen in a show. He's just so interesting. And I feel like without Dan Harmon, that kind of core of Abed was lost in season four. I agree. Um, Like there's moments where he felt like Abed, but there is like out of all the characters in season four, Abed just didn't feel right. Um, And I think it just really comes from somewhere deep in Dan Harmon's psyche that makes that character special. No, I agree. It was awesome, and I guess before we, you know we 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 do you know move on to some other uh, highlights and stuff. Um, the show obviously is not without its controversy, as we said. Um, right. Yeah. Like obviously, one of the big storylines is that you know. So the the big gist of the show is that Jeff Winger is a lawyer. Uh, that like I think he was he he never finished college or he was like one course shy of graduating college or something. I forget what the actual like trope is. I think it's just that he had made a fake degree. I don't even think he went to school. That's what it was. So like he, yeah. he ends up enrolling in community college and stuff like that. So he's he's a much older character. I think he's like in his like mid like early to mid thirties mm-hmm. um when he's in the show. And yeah, I know by I know by the end of like by season six or something, it's like he's forty years old. Because there's an episode in season five where he like the GI Jeff episode where he like has an existential yes. crisis because he realizes that he's it's his fortieth fortieth birthday or something. Yeah, yeah, so like that's that's a, a big plot point, and obviously you know there's the there's a romantic contention between him and 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 Britta, and that's a a big focal point in the first season. 
uh, you know, which which leads to the a great joke in the in the season two premiere when they all find out that they like did it on the table during the paintball <laughs> game. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody like freaks out. But at the at in the season one finale, you know, Britta uh, uh, <laughs> Britta announces that her her love for Jeff, and then as Jeff leaves, oh. he ends up uh, uh, sharing a kiss with Allison Bree's character Annie, who is a college freshman, like a, a straight college freshman so she's like 18 19 years old and um it's <laughs> it's just one of those things we're like rewatching, and i'm just like Ugh, like watching it for yeah, the first time i don't know how you it's, it's about grody it. yeah it's, it's um, bad it's bad i yeah because i think like when i was watching it as a high school student watching it i didn't make the connection like how old jeff was supposed to be in the context of the show um so i just thought it was like kind of weird that he kisses annie because i'm just like oh she's like the youngest but i don't really know also i'm in high school so i don't have like a good frame of context for things uh but as a grown man watching the show and like knowing everything about like the canon of the show i just i don't i don't like that plot line at all and it's like something that persists throughout like the entirety of the series in like weird ways um i think there's even a point where there's a line where they like mention that annie's like 20 now like later in the show to try to make it seem less creepy i guess i don't know (laughs) but uh because obviously they get older each year but it still didn't sit right with me i didn't like it he's like twice her age and when he it's like it feels very grooming because she's like 18 when she like first crushes on him and he and i'm pretty sure she's 18 when he kisses her so not the biggest fan of that storyline. Um, and then he's a jerk to her, like like the next couple of episodes, like the season two premiere. He's like, yeah, I, you know, and he's trying, trying to write to, it off completely. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's not it's bad. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, the, the show tries to to mend those fences, but like we, it's it's just ugh, it, it feels icky. Um, that that's obviously not a, a great point of it, but and obviously no. the, the Dan Harmon stuff is 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 bad. Um, there's great there's YouTube videos that covered us in great depth. If you want yeah, to just watch look up like that. Dan Harmon, Chevy Chase, and you'll just you'll find a lot of good stuff. Yeah, it's pretty great. The Chevy Chase voicemail is uh, <laughs> it's legendary. Worth a li- it's it's worth a listen. I'll say that much. <laughs> no, but uh, in in general, like despite all that, um, I love this show. Like it it was it was absolutely amazing, and I felt a lot of those same feelings that you felt. You know, watching it episodically. You know, as it was airing on cable, and I you know yeah. I have the added benefit of of binge watching it in. I finished it very quickly because, like I said, this show kept me up at night. Like, like, yeah. every, like I, I would just be watching. I think the entirety of season two is what set me off the deep end. Like, I would, it, it, like you said, there's just like banger after banger, and like I just didn't want it to stop. And you know, it was, it was a great show. I highly recommend it to anybody that's like, if you're looking for a sitcom, that's like, you know, it, it's like it's it's scripted TV. But it's not shot in that like mockumentary style like The Office and Parks and Rec is, um, mm-hmm. which I know that not every you know it's it's your mileage may vary on that depending on how you feel yeah, about it. Yeah, it. it's not multicam, but it's and it's not documentary. It's it's shot like TV, <laughs> like good TV. <laughs> um, season one, like the pilot is shot extremely well, and then you can definitely feel over time it has like kind of a formulaic camera setup at times, but it's still it's really good. Um, and it's kind of like, I don't want to say like, I don't know. It's, I don't want to sound like snooty and be like, it's, it's like big brain. But like, I think if you appreciate just like good writing and you want something that maybe is a little deeper than just jokes, um, 
community just really hits a lot of different beats and it's I, I just I just feel way more engaged when I'm watching community than I do watching most comedy. So Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Also, I love Alison Brie. Yeah, Alison Brie rocks. She's <laughs> she's definitely like made Big I, fan. Uh, yeah, huge fan. I've actually watched um I I watched a couple of episodes of Glow after the fact just to like see what the show is all about. And like I, I it's I, I don't know how I necessarily feel about it right now, but Alison Brie rules. So I'm I'm a fan. And like yeah. a lot of these guys go on to do like not just Alison Brie, but a lot of these people go on to do you know, I mean Donald things. Glover is like way more famous than he ever was when he was on community. Yeah, obviously the the artist now formerly known as uh, Childish Gambino. <laughs> Right. Um, Danny Pudi goes on to do DuckTales, which leads to a great Larry King interview. If you haven't yeah, seen that it. episode, Larry, I'm on DuckTales. <laughs> it's it's so funny, and like obviously, like um, you know, Joel McHale, yeah, Gillian, is... Gillian Jacobs was in Love, the Netflix series, which is really good. Um, Joel Ken McHale Jong. does the Tiger King behind the scenes interviews. Yeah, Ken Jong <laughs> has gone on to he's a, he's a judge on The Masked Singer. Dude, like he's I was, everywhere. I, I, it's been so long since I've watched cable TV, but now that I'm home, it's just on. And get, Ken Jung is on like every game show ever. Mm-hmm. And good, honestly, good for him. Make that money. Yeah, like he's definitely, um, he's definitely moved on past his, uh, his Leslie Chow days from The Hangover. Um, yeah, because he, he he had his own TV show for a while, and like we didn't we didn't delve into a lot of the other side characters because there's some great ensemble cast characters. Yeah, um, here. also thing about Community is just that there's just too many. Too many characters to pop, really go. Pop. It would take us like this. That could be an entire podcast. Yeah, it could. And um, you know, but Ken Jong is is fantastic. The character of of Chang is <laughs> it, it goes places, and I love it. Um, oh, yeah, there's yeah. a good joke in season six where they like have to explain to the new characters that Ken used to be like that Chang used to be their teacher. And he was like, he "Used to be your Spanish teacher." He's like, "Yeah." And frankly, I haven't been properly utilized since. <laughs> it's so funny and obviously he has that great moment where he's like goes into the vent with uh with the monkey promptly named annie's boobs yeah which is which is which is a funny like gag i guess but classic yeah, it, it, uh, also it, but before we completely wrap up the community talk one thing i want to circle back on is i'm pretty sure my memory is correct about when the six 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 seasons in a movie comes from it's season two it's the bottle episode where uh annie is trying to figure out where her pens are going yes. and they have like, and it like keeps cutting back. And one of the fake flashbacks is uh, Abed being really into the Cape and like caping Jeff's lunch and Jeff being like, it's going to get canceled or something like that. And Abed just runs off screaming six seasons in the movie. Yes. <laughs> and, and, of, and of course now that like, now the community has had its six seasons, um, Season six ends with a hashtag and a movie, and I just hope that one day we see that come into existence because that yeah. would be like the proper send off for the show. It's it's awesome because like even um a lot of the cast has said that they're they'd be willing to do it. Um, and I think I listened to an interview on Collider a few months ago uh, with um, Anthony Russo, and he said, "Yeah, like I'd totally be on board for that. Like a Russo brothers directed community movie." like sign me the hell up like yeah I'm, that'd I'm, be incredible like that would be fantastic but again uh this show is highly this is, is highly recommended it's one of my favorite things that i've watched uh while i've been inside while i've been you know quarantined inside um you know it, it, it's an easy watch i've watched it for the first time and cam's seen it multiple times and it gets the it gets the cooped up sealed of approval so 
you know, that's cooped a, up. Yeah, cooped up. Is that where the singer goes when you yeah. say it gets yeah, cooped up? Yeah, once 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 I talk to my budget department, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll work that in. But moving uh, along here, um, so another question that I had is that people, um, you know, in quarantine, besides watching shows. I've been trying to pick up, you know, different hobbies and stuff like that. You know, people are are trying to find ways to keep their brains busy, you know, to not be doom scrolling on the Internet, uh, even though I still great. I, I do that a lot and it's fine. But, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm baking sourdough or people like me who start podcasts, you know, while while we're home. And um, an interesting hobby that I've, I've I you have been doing this like well before the world ended. Um, and I have written down here, uh, Sonic Unleashed speedruns. Yes. Um, well, okay. I mean, yes, I, I did play Sonic Unleashed, like when it came out growing up, but I hadn't revisited it in many years. And during quarantine was when I was inspired to, uh, pick it back up. So that was definitely like one of the things that I started teaching myself to avoid doom scrolling at all hours of the day was just to have something else to be angry at. <laughs> uh, so that that's what Sonic Unleashed became for me. Yeah. So just for, for context, obviously I said at the top of the show that you were a self-proclaimed Sonic the Hedgehog expert. And that's obviously right. one of the, one of the, one of the, the tent poles of our friendship, because, you know, obviously growing up, you're either uh, a Nintendo kid or a Sega kid. And growing up, I, I didn't own my first Nintendo system by myself until the GameCube came out. So my brother had an N64 that he didn't play because he sucks, and he didn't give it to me because he sucks. Um, and it, it's one of the things that I greatly enjoyed in my childhood was my was the Sega Genesis that me and him shared until my parents eventually just gave it outright to me. And it was essentially just a Sonic machine. And a couple of like crappy licensed games that I had growing up, like Toy Story and the Power Rangers and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, I I grew up playing Sonic the Hedgehog. It, it's it's a it's a huge tentpole of my personality. Um, I have vivid memories of I, I I went to the hospital when I was in the fifth grade with pneumonia, and kids wrote me cards, and in the cards they draw me next to Sonic because they just like knew. Aww. Yeah, I know. So like. Obviously, you know, you're so for context, you are uh, I, I would, I'd say it's safe to say you're a Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's safe to say. <laughs> uh, I will say uh, one thing you didn't credit me as at the top of the show was that I got fifth at Collision 14 and also first at Smash with Bay 4. So that's just one, <laughs> I just I'm just. I'm a little offended. I'm just going to put that. That's out there. true. I, I do have to put some respect on your name. You were you you at at your time were were pretty good uh, as as a, a Super Smash Brothers competitor. Yeah, not too shabby. So, <laughs> but but anyway, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I think that, I mean that's another one of the things that I mean we mentioned at the beginning about us being in the Smash scene and both playing Sonic is that you know Sonic is just really important to me always has been um what's funny is you you mentioned like being a nintendo kid or a sega kid is that uh i guess one of the perks of having divorced parents was that uh my <laughs> parents had different consoles so That's i actually awesome. was very lucky in a sense not lucky that my parents were divorced but i was lucky to have exposure <laughs> to a lot of different video games and that helped me cope and i uh I, I really loved Nintendo. Like I was definitely a Nintendo kid, still am a Nintendo kid. Um, it's it's the, 
big part of like what I'm about. But um, what was funny is that I resonated so much more with Sonic the Hedgehog as a character and as a franchise than I did with like Mario or Zelda or Pokemon was a close second. I still love Pokemon and yeah. Pokemon is really foundational to me as well. But Sonic was always just like a character that I loved. And I grew up playing Sonic on Sega Genesis and I watched the cartoon shows. I read the comic books. I would like go to giant with my grandma as a kid. And I would always pick up one of the Sonic comics in the magazine section. And I looked forward to that every time. Um, so Sonic is just something that's always been there for me. And it's always going to be that kind of like emotional, um, like, I don't know what the right emotional aid. That sounds sad. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a safety blanket. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. It's kind of like a comfort thing, I guess, but, um, it's, I, yeah, I've, I've played like all the games. I collect Sonic stuff. I, I, I just really if if Sonic's face is on it, I probably want it. Um, <laughs> so I think that summarizes me as a person. But but yeah, I I think what made Sonic so different to me than anything else was um, you think about video game characters, especially at the time, like in in the nineties, like early nineties, um, and Pac Man and things like that being like kind of the first video game characters that became popular. Um, yeah. Sonic was like a full-fledged person. Like yeah. he had a personality and they had like I mean, I could go I'm not going to cuz it'll take way too long, but I could go on for hours about just like how fascinating the history of the conception <laughs> of Sonic the Hedgehog is, like how, what went into designing him and making him, but uh, a lot of thought and care went into this design and to make him a marketable success and clearly it worked. Um but I think like what made him stand out was that there was like there's a heart to him like he he was a person and you kind of knew what he was about and that he was cool but he was also like a good guy and he cares about his friends and he talks <laughs> like think about all the like iconic characters that came from that area that are primarily just silent protagonists but sonic like you know originally voiced by like uh jaleel you know, white the, yeah jaleel white steve urkel uh but uh it's like there, there was, there was way more media to consume about Sonic and around Sonic as a kid, and I think that really made me way more passionate about him because it was just like, oh, like I can kind of get behind what this is about. Like Mario, like I love Mario games. I'll always play the new main title Mario games and like Mario Karts and stuff, but I don't actually care about Mario. Right. Like I don't, I don't give a shit about Mario as a person. Like he's just the insert for a good platforming game. I care about Luigi, uh, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But like, I, but like Sonic is like, no matter what situation that you put Sonic in, whether there's, it's a bad game or a good game or a good movie or a bad movie or whatever it is, like, I'll, I'll always be interested because I want to know what they're going to do with Sonic because I care about him. And I don't really feel that way with uh, like, you know, most other video game characters from that era. Um, and even Pokemon, as much as I love Pokemon, like Pokemon is more about the personal experience of like catching the Pokemon and raising them and things like that and like having your favorite Pokemon. But, you know, I'm not like passionate about Ash Ketchum, right? Like yeah. there's not that same. <laughs> it's, it's a different kind of dynamic with the media. But um, that's just my long winded way of saying that Sonic the Hedgehog is cool. Also, 
Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles was a game that I played religiously as a child. And I revisit it maybe like once every year or so, just play through it. And it's still, I think, one of the greatest games ever made. And I think if not, I think if not for that game, I probably would not still be as crazy about Sonic as I am now. Because Sonic's definitely had ups and downs over the years. But like, I think that game just has influenced so much of my like taste in things that it's just it's just like almost foundational to to my interests because of how like defining that game was for me and i really think it's just like such a masterpiece for the platforming genre and i'll never ever get tired of that game no for sure it's it's a phenomenal game and um and it, it's funny so like you know like we were talking about obviously sonic has had his 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 twists and turns and stuff like that as as and things Sonic Unleashed is a, 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 a very twisty game. Yeah, so like obviously Sonic Unleashed was, you know, your big uh you, you, one of your big quarantine hobbies like you said, you posted a bunch of speedruns of the day levels um and stuff like that and you know, if you're not familiar with Sonic Unleashed um which I'm shocked cuz that game is is widely even like if you don't like Sonic, Sonic is so relevant in the zeitgeist especially now because he had a, a feature film that was one of the highest grossing movies of 2020, um, which is hysterical. I, but, I cannot um, wait. I just, I cannot wait to be in the timeline where I hear, <laughs> I have to hear someone say, and the Oscar goes to Sonic the Hedgehog. I might, like, I, I might fall into a coma. That's, that's going to be the crowning achievement of my life. I think. <laughs> anyway, go, continue. Yeah. But um, so Sonic Unleashed came out in 2008, I believe. Um, it was it came out for the uh, for the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, as well as the Nintendo Wii. But that game is is drastically different than the HD versions. Uh, I think those, I think the Wii version was also on PS2, which is funny. Yeah, that game that that's that was actually my first exposure to Sonic Unleashed for the longest time. Um, and wow, whew, boy, that was a game. Um, yeah, what's Mary- funny is I, I I had it for both the Wii and uh, Xbox. No. Uh, yeah, for Xbox 360. Um, so I, I played both Unleashed and and Unleashed. Yeah, un- <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I, I'm so happy that people like Unleashed is like a, 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 a an agreed upon community like term for the game. Um, right. Like the games are very different. Like the, the so obviously in in Sonic Unleashed, um, you play as the titular character Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's this guy who wears shoes sometimes. All right. Um, oh. Yeah, so you hopefully so you, most of the time. Yeah, oh boy, I don't want to see your Google search history. <laughs> uh, me neither. But um, so you obviously play a Sonic the Hedgehog, and then uh, what? What Sonic games have had to have struggled to do, especially since the games like moved into the 3D era, is like find a, a gimmick to try to like shoehorn in. Um, you know, you, you see it a bit with Sonic Heroes, where like you know, oh, it's Sonic, but you're playing with. Uh, you know, a flying companion and a power companion, and you know you have to traverse uh, you know your uh the levels and stuff such uh, that way. Uh, Sonic Colors introduces the Wisps, which is like uh has been a a stayed upon concept, especially in the newer games. Um, but you know <laughs> that's a that's a different story for a different day. And the gimmick in in Sonic Unleashed is that Sonic is infused with a uh, dark Gaia energy. And whenever the sun uh, goes down, he turns into the werehog, um, 
which is so you go from playing you know these these high paced you know uh, super fast um, levels, and I believe unleashes no it was uh, colors introduces the boost. But uh, Te- technically, uh, Boost was introduced in Sonic Rush on the that DS. Is, oh, that's true. I forgot about is, that. Yeah, and Sonic Rush is also low key one of the best Sonic games ever made. Uh, it's a it's a hidden gem. But I agree. Uh, Sonic Unleashed was the first uh, like 3D game to include Boost. So I believe it was Sonic Rush then Unleashed. Correct. Okay. <laughs> this is why you're the expert, and I'm. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's why you're here. <laughs> Uh-huh. But um yeah so um so obviously you know the the, the daytime levels uh you know you're you're traversing through a you know a, a pretty straight and narrow course um you know at at lightning fast speeds mind you um and stuff like that and in the Warehog levels you play a much more slowed down beat 'em up style of game um you know you got to beat up enemies you got to collect points and stuff like that and um so the game plays uh drastically very differently and, um, you know, obviously, like, uh, I always c- compare Sonic Unleashed to, like, a game that's, like, you know, it- it's like you're you're dating a girl and, she, you know, everything's going really well, but you find out her credit score is, like, seven. <laughs> like, there's, there's just one, like, very, like, glaring flaw or something like that. <laughs> and, like, obviously, like, the big glaring flaw in Sonic Unleashed is that the Werehog levels are, are universally agreed upon as, like, the worst part of the game. Yeah. What's, what's funny, though, is that, like, I... I, I I see into the Sonic fandom at times, and there is definitely a very vocal community of people, as there is going to be with pretty much any media these days. Um, but there's a very vocal aspect of the community that defends like Sonic Unleashed to its core, like saying that they enjoy the Werehog levels. And I personally have like a love hate relationship with Sonic Unleashed because like I I love Sonic Unleashed, I really do. It's like a guilty pleasure. I there the things that it gets right I think are some of the best in the series and there's really nothing comparable to it. Um but like you said there's a glaring flaw and even if you try to like this is the argument I've always made too like cuz as much as I would love to defend Sonic Unleashed I really can't completely because even if you were to isolate the glaring flaw that is the execution of the Werehog that's not the game's only problem. Like I don't think most people understand that there are other issues in the gameplay, uh, which is that there's like a level up mechanic yes. where you you don't start off with top speed as Sonic. You have to keep like getting experience points and increasing your speed uh, uh, stat. And then there's also like your boost stat so that you can hold more boost energy and when you collect rings. And that whole system is just ridiculous to me for that genre of game like this isn't an rpg this isn't like i'm it's a it's for all intents and purposes it's a racing platforming game if i imagine playing a mario game where you had to like unlock your third jump like that's just not how the game works like you should have all of your abilities and functions at the start and you can get access to power-ups later on you can get like you know certain temporary boosts and stuff like that that's fine but to have like a core aspect of the game design not be fully uh, in place at the start of the game is ridiculous. Like if you boot up Sonic Unleashed and start playing the game, you you were slower than you will be by the time the game is over. And it's just it's just not. I just think it's a it's a dumb idea that it's just like there there's too many cooks in the kitchen in this game, where even with the Werehog problems, there's a lot of other elements like the level up system. There's the 
the, the tornado levels with tails where you're oh. just doing nothing but pressing buttons that show up on screen, which like, it's not terrible, but again, like why, why not make it more interesting and more engaging? Like you don't even choose how you drive it. You're just pressing buttons the entire time. So that's boring. There's the, you have to collect all these different things just to unlock levels. Like you need a certain amount of day tokens to play a daytime level and you need a certain amount of night tokens to, to unlock those levels. There's a lot of things that just inflate the game for no reason for the sake of making it longer and to slow you down. And it makes playing through the entirety of the game from start to finish just a drag, which is really unfortunate because I think the aspects of Sonic Unleashed that are really good are obviously the daytime levels. Like imagine if all the resources just went into making way more good daytime levels. Um, (laughs) I think that that opening cutscene from Sonic Unleashed alone is like one of the greatest pieces of media from Sonic the Hedgehog, I think, to exist. Oh, I like, agree it is, 100%. It's phenomenal. The animation holds up. Like, it looks better than anything else that came out at the time. Like, it's... The game literally is like, oh, this weird... I've, I've definitely mentioned this before, but this game is like this weird time capsule that was, like, trying to do too much with not the proper amount of technology that was out. And hilariously now, if you play <laughs> this game on the Xbox Series X... It actually fixes like lag issues, like frame rate drops that the game had, uh, which is another aspect of the game that is problematic that I didn't touch on a moment ago. But like, yeah, it fixes the frame rate drops, and it's just like, wow, this game was literally like ten years. The engine is ten years ahead of its time, or something like that. <laughs> Dude, it's um, so funny. Yeah, but it's crazy because like the the daytime levels that don't have frame rate drops or have minimal frame rate drops, like the. They're gorgeous. The lighting is incredible. The 3D models are still really nice. I love the the art direction, the character design. Like Sonic looks cool. Jason Griffith's performance, it's like the best he's ever performed in any game. I love his little feeling good and little catchphrases throughout the game. It's <laughs> excellent. Yeah, it's like he has an energy. Like there's an energy when you're playing. Like you feel like you're going fast. <laughs> you feel like Sonic is like actually there, like doing the thing that you're doing. Like I, lo- I, I do like Roger Craig Smith, but it, it has a much more like kind of cartoonish way of playing it, I think. Yes. Uh, whereas like Jason Griffith and Unleash, I feel like there's like there's more of like this kind of just like uh, energy to it that I really enjoyed. Um, and there, there's a lot of aspects about the game that I think just like nail it. Like I love the kind of combination of realism with Sonic aesthetics um like the maps are gorgeous like basing them off of real world locations is really cool um and the the amount of speed in this game like sonic colors has a similar system sonic generations has a similar system but all of them are slowed down and watered down compared to what you're capable of doing in unleashed and it's challenging like it's a really hard game and that's why i got into speed running it because i just got one night I just went down a rabbit hole and I was watching like compilation videos of people S ranking Sonic Unleashed stages. And I was just mesmerized because it's such a pretty game. And when you're able to do it without messing up, it just, it feels like you're just like watching like art in motion. Yes. It's just so cool to see Sonic like skipping over stuff, running through hoops, like uh, dodging things. And like, I don't know, it's just really, really visually stunning. And I even, Funny enough, like I showed it to my dad and he was just like impressed by like how 
good it looks and how like high octane it is to watch. Um, And I just think it captures something that other Sonic games haven't. And it, it made me want to revisit it, but I think in revisiting it, I, I, I still acknowledge the shortcomings that the game has, um, which is unfortunate, but I really do love playing the daytime levels and I want to get an Xbox to play them without frame rate drops. Yes, I'm I'm totally in, in the same market as you. Like this game in motion, the daytime levels at least look beautiful. Um and like I I, I agree that like, you know, some of the, the choices they make, whether it be like the level up system or the tokens in general, which I hate, especially in the daytime levels because So annoying. Yeah, yeah you're naturally you're blazing yeah, right past them. Yeah, you're naturally going so fast, like you have to like come to a halt to like collect these things. It's not as like in, in intuitive as like, you know, stopping on a dime like in in sonic in the adventure games and stuff like that so like there, there's definitely uh you know there's definitely some roughness there but i agree like it's it's really funny how the game is like aged like a fine wine like for years <laughs> at like Adabat day was like the benchmark test for a lot of like new gen systems so uh-huh. it's like if you can run Adabat day without like your game chugging then your console is like legit and of course it took until you know the ex- like you said it 10 12 years later after this game came out uh for it to finally have that moment but like i agree like speed like sonic speedruns in general like some of my favorites to watch um it's, like, it's a I, game built to be speedrun you know and yeah. i think like <laughs> unleashed is like the perfect 3d execution of like just go as fast as possible without messing up yeah and like also like you watch like the world record run like eggman land speedruns were like the levels don't wow. load and like you're like clipping through stuff and it's like it's 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 just like such a beautiful thing to watch like that's why i love watching sonic heroes speedruns because that game is like so glitchy where it's like oh if you do the power dive here at this specific point you can like skip like 5 minutes of the level and like that's obviously like a a big um you know trope issue that like like 3d sonic games have had is that um, especially like in, in heroes, it, it's very prevalent in, in the Werehog levels. It's prevalent, but like these levels are taking like 15, like 18 minutes to finish. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it, yep. it's, it's, you know, obviously, you know, you're slowing a game to a halt where like it's advertised as, um, as you know, you're as, as speed platforming. But, you know, I agree. Like the game has so much charm. I love chip as a sidekick character. I think him and Sonic have a great dynamic working with each other. Um, I think this is one of the, at least in my memory, outside of the cartoons, like, like they really hammer on like the whole like chili dog thing, which like you can like buy them from shops and stuff like that for like extra experience points. Yeah. I um, like the chili dogs. Yeah, I don't, big, big I don't like chip dogs. though, but I'm glad you do. <laughs> I, I, I think he's fine. Like he's, there's fine. been more, there's been more annoying partners in Sonic games. Um, like who? Uh, Charmy's pretty annoying in heroes. I guess Charmy's kind of annoying. Yeah. But I guess I have a soft spot for Chaotix. That is fair. That's it. <laughs> Find a computer room. It's <laughs> look. So... I love the Chaotix. S S Espio's awesome. Uh, Vector's cool. Charmy's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that... Mighty was forgotten until Sonic Mania. Dude, you know it's really qu- quick about that. Um, so I remember I was driving to a tournament with a, with a friend of mine, and we were. I think they were about to announce like the they were announcing Sonic Mania Plus, and. I was saying, I'm just like, oh, what if they like, uh, my friend was like, what if they add some new characters? I was like, yeah, who are they going to add? Mighty and Ray the Flying Squirrel. And then he's like, dude, <laughs> you're never going to guess who they added. And I'm like, who? And he told me it was Mighty and Ray. And I'm That's like, hilarious. no, you're fucking lying to me. Like, don't do this. I was like, I felt like, oh, 
Like Koopsradamus was there and present when that happened. That's hilarious. Then, no, that's an incredible call out. That's like the third eye opening. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I saw into the future temporarily. Um, the funny thing about Mighty and Ray too is that they they actually originate from this really obscure Japanese arcade game called like Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, and that was their first <laughs> ever appearance. That's funny. And I also so then love, Mighty, like, Mighty kind of got adopted into Team Chaotix when Knuckles Chaotix came out. Phenomenal. Um, but, I, I love that game, by the way. Yeah, it's such an interesting game. Um, but yeah, like it's it's funny because like and even at times like Sega Team is like or Sonic Team has like poked fun at that. Like if you if you pay close attention in the in like the the city escape levels in Sonic Generations, like they have like missing posters up for like Mighty and stuff like that like <laughs> yeah. on the walls so like they, yeah. they definitely like play into their own jokes sometimes but like i like you know i so as we're recording this by the way uh, which is appropriate you know obviously sonic unleashed does this uh, watch uh, if you follow cam on do you have him on your youtube and your instagram is that where you i do i do yes yeah so if you follow cam he's at camelange on all social media branding baby um that's you, right you, you, you can watch his his uh his Sonic daytime speed runs. I think the first one I ever watched you do was the Dragon Road one, which that was, was the first one I taught myself, and it was hard as hell. Yeah, you you definitely uh, you you definitely started off strong, but no, it, it's so much fun to watch. Um, you know, thanks, the, man. The, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan. But um, it's funny. I, I had coworkers who would be like, "Oh, I was watching your Sonic Unleashed run," and I was like, "Oh, why?" <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you, I appreciate it, but why? And they're like, "No, it's cool. It's entertaining." I was like, "Thanks." I, uh, I I specifically like you're talking about like the glitch like there's like some really incredible speed runs for this game that are just like glitched to hell and it's an impressive feat. I was I was purposely doing like um I guess what you would call like S rank runs, which are playing the map as quickly as possible but glitchless and still trying to get the highest rank in the game, which is actually hard to do on Unleash on like generations where you can get S rank pretty easily. Getting S rank actually means something in Unleashed. So being able to get like enough points while maintaining top speed and not getting hit uh, without using glitches and getting that mark is was a fun challenge. And I kind of just wanted to do that for myself because I've always wanted to. So I, I hope other people enjoyed it and had fun watching uh, what sometimes took like days of me trying to finally correctly get <laughs> done. <laughs> Also, what I hope they bring back for the 30th anniversary game, because at the time of us recording this, um, it is currently 2021. Sonic is due to celebrate his 30th birthday this year. So yep, yep. We, at the time, we don't know what the game's going to be. I hope what they bring back is the doorbell sound effect for the quick. Time oh, events. I hope it's Sonic Forces 2. Oh, brother. <laughs> As someone that's played. So uh, that, that that can transition us into a, into our next uh little segment here which is a new piece of media that we've consumed you know while we've mm. been home um you know i'm not going to talk about sonic forces yeah mine yeah <laughs> but, but, but mine was community i can also talk about uh yeah that was uh, my old piece of media so yeah th- yeah you, yeah that was your old piece of media uh, it was oh. my new piece of media but another one i, I uh, played twice was sonic forces and boy that was a game that was odd yeah we don't have to talk enough for that long but that was it was <laughs> yeah. bad but i do i do hope that um you know, for the 30th anniversary game, they Sonic's anniversaries are historically like hit or miss. Um, right. You could get Sonic Generations or you could get the Sonic Genesis collection on Game Boy. So like <laughs> you, you it, it's it's super hit or miss. I'm not saying I want them to give us Adventure 3, but I feel like it'd be a very fitting thing. It's like, you know what? The world's ending around everyone. In, 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 this is a, in a case of emergency moment. 
we got to break the glass. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think they're too scared to make Sonic Adventure three. Cause I think they realize that like Sonic Adventure three is kind of the last hope for them. And yeah. if, if they drop the ball on making Sonic Adventure three, that would be such a huge dent in their reputation. And I think they're just scared to, to actually follow <laughs> through on it. Like that's straight up what I think. Um, I agree. I would love to see like a, a, a great Sonic Adventure three game. And at the very least, back chow garden why is that not a mobile app think about how how much money they could make if they had a chow garden mobile app and it like you could sync it to a sonic game and you could like transfer chow and like raise them between systems and trade them with people on your phone and raise them on the go like that's just that would print paper oh yeah 100 percent. like yeah. i spent so many hours in the chow garden like i'm sure many people in our age demographic have oh yeah um, but uh, but you know, mo- moving along here, we do got one 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 more question. Uh, I guess let me let me see what we what we got here as I open my notes back up again. Live recording, folks. This is what what uh what we got. Um, so okay, so it's the last so the last question I'll ask for you. Obviously, it's it, it's a bit of a fun question. You know, everybody's been home. Uh, the the food delivery service has has blown up. What's been your Uber Eats order of choice? What what's your what's your go to thing to get? Oh man, so I, I'm actually primarily a DoorDash user. I'll just put that out there. Not that I have a particular allegiance as to why I, I mean, both companies aren't good, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm mostly using DoorDash and I, I gotta say, I, I think the one that's probably the most on brand for me right now in quarantine is, uh, Ole Ole Burrito Express, <laughs> which is, um, like the local, I think, I think it's a local chain. I, there's multiple, but, um, I don't, I don't know how far they branch out, but in the in the SF area, um, we have a Burrito Express near us. And th- the thing about San Francisco that you have to understand and like the surrounding Bay Area and everything is that you think about New York City, right? Big city uh, known as the city that never sleeps. You go to San Francisco, which is equally expensive, if not more expensive than New York in terms of rent. It's another big city supposedly, and you think you're going to get like a similar experience. Well, uh, San Francisco is the city that often sleeps and is well rested. Uh, the trains stop running at midnight. Uh, restaurants close at like 7 p.m., which is normally when I start thinking about eating dinner. <laughs> so finding something to eat at like around when I would normally want to eat dinner is kind of a challenge. And if you want a specific thing, you have to make sure that you're placing your order like before seven or before eight, depending on when they close. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm just a late eater. I don't know if that's like weird, but I typically don't eat dinner until like seven or eight o'clock. No, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same way. Like my parents, like, because I live at home, um, my parents like serve dinner at like, Four thirty-five o'clock, and I'm just like not hungry. My, then. my mom does the same thing. Like my mom's side, they eat at like four or five, and I'm like, how? Yeah, like I'm not even hungry then. Like, how do you right? do that? Um, you but do. You, I, yeah, I know. I, I, I do know you are fond of that burrito place, and I. Um, yeah. When I, I think it was one of the years I came to visit you out there, uh, we went to a burrito spot in in NorCal. That yes. was really really good. And I I have been a changed man since then. Every burrito I've had since then has failed in comparison. Yeah, that that place, that's not the same one. Burrito Express is definitely not quite that 
level of burrito, but it's still really good. And it's hard to get a bad burrito in, uh, in California, really. Um, so burrito express is just like a tried and true and they're open. I, they deliver until like 11 or like midnight or something like that. So they're just, they're just really clutch. And, uh, it's also my roommate, uh, is vegan. So me and him, if we want to order food together, we can like get burritos and we know that we can both get something we want to eat and, uh, will be full after. Right. So yeah. um, it's, it's just been like a wonderful thing to get. And we do try to also support as many local restaurants as possible, especially like black owned businesses and stuff. So Absolutely. Uh, we do mix that into our, our rotation, but I can't tell you the amount of times where it'll just be like 10 PM and we haven't eaten yet. And we'll just be like burritos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been there so, for multiple of those occasions. <laughs> right. In, yeah. It, it's Zoom a lifesaver. Calls. Yeah. It's a lifesaver. So, um, and I, it's what's really funny is I just turned my my friend and colleague onto it, uh, who is an East Coast native living in California. And I was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta try Burrito Express. And now he like, he he tried it. He's like, he's like, Cameron, I ordered Burrito Express twice this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good. It's good. It's it's all reliable. You you are indeed a trendsetter because my go to before. So I've been. Uh, in a, in a similar vein to your roommate, I, I have stopped eating uh, red meat and chicken. I've only been eating fish for like the last couple of weeks. Um, so, but before that, um, you t- <laughs> you were the shill for uh, It's Just Wings. Which is, uh, which is, <laughs> which is also just chilies. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Um, As I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> well, hi, welcome to Chili's. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I they just opened one near me. Um and my god it's it's so good like you get so many wings for like dirt cheap they give you fries with it the sauces are awesome they have fried oreos like oh yeah they they definitely like are not kidding when they say it's just wings like oh yeah it's literally i mean like I, I know i was just saying that i i really am trying to support uh like local businesses as much as i can um but one thing i really do miss is going to chili's and <laughs> uh <laughs> It's it's a chain restaurant that I legitimately enjoy. It's not a bit. I like I like Chili's. I think it's a good quality restaurant. And uh, when I was ordering, it's just wings. I was on DoorDash, and I had seen it come up a few times. I was like, I haven't seen this place before. It must be new, but it looks really good. So I thought I was like supporting like a local business when I was ordering, it's just wings. Uh, and then I got it and I was like, no joke. These are some of the best delivery wings I've gotten. It's Cause sometimes you get wings delivered and they get like soggy or whatever um, from like being in the container. But I'm like, these are really good. I would definitely order this again. And it turns out that it's, it's just wings is uh, a ghost kitchen as they're called now. And it's just, it's literally just chilies and it's just, they use their chilies restaurants to, serve like a new menu of wings and different flavors that they don't normally offer and it's a delivery only service and uh me and sean jokingly we call this getting pasqualied yes Uh, i was just gonna bring that up oh my god yeah yeah i got pasqualied (laughs) is what happened and um because this if, if many of you might have heard this but um especially at the beginning of like lockdown when this was like more of a novel thing a lot of restaurants were trying to like trick people into thinking that they weren't chain restaurants um so chuck e cheese uh (laughs) had an option called pasquale's pizza and he didn't know like it wasn't advertised as chuck e cheese it's called pasquale's pizza and it like made like national headlines that this family 
thought they were ordering from a local pizza joint and they got Chuck E. Cheese pizza. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that kind of like was the beginning of this whole ghost kitchen experience that we're now seeing in these weird, weird, sad times. But, um, but I gotta say, like, I, I like chilies. I think they did a knockout job with, uh, it's just wings and, uh, <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. And, yeah. uh, so I was like kind of mad at first. Cause I was, like, I just got the squally, but then I like, wasn't that <laughs> mad. Cause I'm like, I love chilies and this is good. So I guess I can't be that mad. That's funny. As someone that's like seen your disdain towards certain chain restaurants before, it's it's I could I'm glad we can both have common ground and that we think the Chili's is awesome. Like, yeah, Chili's is great. Applebee's is devil incarnate. Um, <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. I'll tell the story very quickly before we we get out of here. But um, it, it was I'll never forget this day. We were we were gonna go see a movie together. We were gonna go see One Piece, uh, World Gold. Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, I think we're seeing film gold. Film yeah. gold, that's what it was. Yeah, we were going to yeah. go see it. Uh, I was coming to New York. Um, we were seeing it in the AMC in, in near Times Square. And the group we were going with was like, okay, everyone, we're going to meet up at this at, at the the second floor Applebee's and Dave and Buster's. Like, everybody, we can just meet up there. And then you text me in a side chat. You're like, can you please come to McDonald's with me? I can't stand Applebee's. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I am, I am uh, an admitted Applebee's shill. I I, uh, I I unfortunately enjoy the product. I I will see, die on this. We can't day. be we can't be friends anymore. No, now I have to delete the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have to scrub out all instances of me being nice to you. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no. So you're yeah. Um, I just thought it was funny. You're just like, can we please go to McDonald's? And I'm just like, okay, that's <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I was not. I refuse to. I, it's like I'm not a picky eater. Uh, my family actually jokes because like. Out of everyone in the family, I'm the most ambitious eater, which is, I guess, not saying a lot coming from a, a white family. But like, basically, I, I went to New York and then I just started eating anything. Yeah. Uh, so my family jokes that I'm a very, like, because as a kid I would only like want to eat chicken nuggets. So, like, what happened to the guy that only ate chicken nuggets and now will just like, like eat ramen with chopsticks and like will eat like whale sushi? And I'm just like, I don't know, things happen, <laughs> but. uh but yeah, but Applebee's I refused to eat at. And I actually had to like, when I was growing up, I would do like, we would do like family vacations to the beach. And pretty much a staple of that trip was like my grandma really liked Applebee's. So we would go to Applebee's. And at, there was one year where I realized I didn't like Applebee's. And we went and Sean was with me for this. We went together because he happened to join me on that trip. And um I was like, I tried ordering different things from the menu and I tried going to different locations. Every time I eat at Applebee's, it ruins my body. I have to go <laughs> right to the bathroom and it just, just, it does indescribable things to me and I don't understand it. The food is mediocre at best and it is not worth what comes out. So I, uh, I've sworn off of Applebee's and I remember having to talk to my grandma one year being like, <laughs> Nana, I love you. I I love you more than words can describe. I will not eat at Applebee's if we go to Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> that she is... was like, she's like, why not? I'm like Nana, I love you. I, I will go there. I will sit with you. I will not eat anything. Just know that I will not touch <laughs> any of the food. I will not drink the water from Applebee's. I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's... And and oh. since then, my disdain of Applebee's has just been solidified. So um, yeah, I just can't do it. No, I agree. It definitely, it definitely like wrecks my stomach. But sometimes, you you know, your options are limited. Um, and 
the only place that's open is half price appetizers or you just don't eat. And I think I would rather not eat. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I think I'd rather not eat. I would, I would find like scraps at home. I would do so. I would, I would, even if someone was offering to pay for my meal at Applebee's, I would not take them up on it. That's how much it's not worth it to me. Wow. Well, good thing yep. this podcast is not sponsored by Applebee's. So <laughs> thank God. And I, and I will say just as a quick shout out for, uh, for the burrito topic is that the burrito place that I believe I took you to was Taqueria El Farolito on mission in San Francisco. Um, I, I take people there pretty much every time they come visit me. And I, I know when I took my dad last time, he's like, this is one of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life. Every time, uh, so. every time you've took taken me out for food in California, it's always been some like life changing occasion. So, yeah, there's some there's some damn good eats. Even at one time, we Uber eated Taco Bell. <laughs> like, honestly, honestly, worth it. It was good. Totally worth it. But yeah, so that's uh that's that's gonna be it for this first episode. I I, I think so, which is which is which is pretty, uh, pretty dope. So we'll. Uh, this is historic. Yeah, this this is awesome. So, Cam, where can the people find you on the internet? Well, uh, you might know me by my full legal name, Camelange, uh, and that is where you can find me pretty much everywhere. I'm on Twitter primarily, but I'm also on Instagram and YouTube and twitch.tv. So uh, just type in Camelange on any of those things. You'll find me there, um, and you'll find lots of things about anime and Sonic the Hedgehog probably. Buddy, thank you again for joining me uh, for this inaugural episode. Um, I couldn't have done it without you, literally. So thanks for the help. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be the first guest on the Cooped Up podcast with my friend Koopa MJ. Um, <laughs> been a wonderful experience just talking about the things that we love and don't love, um, primarily things that we love and Applebee's. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a blast, and I hope people listen to us rant about all of it. Thanks. All right, folks. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. We'll be seeing you guys in two weeks for our uh, for our next show. We're coming out every other Saturday, baby. So uh, from here at Cooped Up, uh, have a safe day and stay safe. Goodbye, everybody. And stay cooped up. Cooped up.